Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition, and we are live in front of a studio audience. We are here in Denver at the Raising Money Summit, and we're talking today about how to raise money. Put up your hand if you have a copy of my book, Magnetic Capital. Okay, for the rest of you, please go out and buy it. I need the money. (laughs) Presentation over. (laughs) I wrote the book, Magnetic Capital, specifically because I saw a formula when I was raising money in the tech industry. I found out that sometimes it was really hard and then other times it was remarkably easy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Investing and raising money is like a pair of shoes. And you're thinking, I came to a real estate conference and Victor's talking about shoes. But imagine, you go to the shoe store and you see the most beautiful pair of shoes and my gosh, it's your lucky day, they're on sale. But if they don't fit, you're not a buyer. And it doesn't matter how beautiful they are or how deeply discounted they are, if they don't fit, you're not a buyer. And we intuitively understand that perfectly when we're talking about shoes. And all of a sudden we start talking about raising money for real estate and we get all weird about it. Well, it turns out that money has an agenda. And if the goals for the money and the goals for the project don't match perfectly, just like the pair of shoes, don't take the money. It's not going to work. It's exactly the same. So if there's anything, you know, you go to the shoe store and you say, you know, maybe they'll stretch in six months. Are you buying them? No, of course not. It's got to fit. It's got to be that perfect fit. And it's exactly the same with the money. So that's what we're going to really be talking about today. But before we go deep into it, I want to leave you with one very important idea. The idea is that you need three things to accomplish anything. And you're in a great spot. You've come to a weekend seminar, you're gaining lots of knowledge. And I'm sorry to say, it's not enough. It's not enough. You need three things. So number one, absolutely, you need the knowledge. Number two, you need the emotional drive. You need to get through those tough times and you need to eliminate the emotional obstacles that are standing in the way of you accomplishing what it is that you want to do. And this is the third and most important, the most overlooked, you need to be in the right environment. Because when those times get tough, and if you are not in the right environment, if you're not surrounded with the right people, you're simply not going to be successful. This is an image of my spin bike. It's at home, and it's a great spin bike. It's wonderful. The question is, why would I get in my car, it's still dark outside, it's cold, and drive 15 minutes to the gym to go in a room with 35 other spin bikes, It's not because I need the instructor to tell me how to operate the bike. I get a better workout in that environment. It's not just about doing it on your own. You've got to, whatever it is you do, it doesn't matter whether it's raising money for real estate, whether it's executing real estate projects or working out at the gym, you've got to be in the right environment. If you remember only one thing from this whole weekend, I hope you remember that one thing. What do I do? Um, I build apartment buildings uh, all over the country. We're active in several different markets. And I would say today, 90% of what we do is new construction. I started out, this is my very first project. It was a one bedroom apartment in downtown Ottawa. Just so you know, I started just like everybody else with a single unit. Today, we're building multifamily projects that are reasonably sizable. 
it's been a journey. You don't go from one unit to 240 units in a day. It takes time, there's a progression. So how to raise money. You need five things. If you do all five of these things and you do them well, raising money is remarkably easy. So I'm gonna go through each of these. So number one, there's relationship. Number two, trust. Number three, results. Number four, you've gotta have a compelling opportunity. And number five, you have to have that perfect alignment between the goals for the money and the goals for your project. So number one, relationship. It's been talked about a fair bit this weekend. This is a relationship business. Would you part with hundreds of thousands of your hard-earned money with people that you don't know? Or millions? Most people wouldn't. That's why I think a lot of the discussion about digital marketing and, you know, you're not selling t-shirts. This is, you know, this is a completely different process. Digital marketing can be useful for generating interest. I run a podcast that generates interest. It keeps people, keeps me present in front of people and we're, in, we're able to have a conversation through the podcast. I'm able to enter their thought process but that's all about generating interest because nobody wants to be sold. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. And I certainly don't want to be manipulated. It's really about relationship. And if you think about people that are high net worth, their filter is up because they know a lot of people want to develop a relationship with them for one reason and one reason only. That's because they have money. Would you like to be used? No. And they don't either. So their guard is up. And so it really starts with relationship. If you don't develop a genuine relationship, if the foundation isn't a genuine relationship, it's not gonna work. And that's where you need to start. It starts with relationship. I mean, think about it just from a human relationship point of view. Two folks, you know, they maybe decide that they have the same interests, they go out on a date, maybe have dinner, go see a show, and then a long way down the road, lots of steps, down the road, they decide they're gonna get married and start a family. That's a natural progression of a human relationship. But if you skip even a couple of steps in that process, you go from a natural progression to creepy overnight, <laughs> right? <laughs> Women, you know what I'm talking about, right? So don't go to creepy. I mean, how many times does someone connect with you on LinkedIn and oh, I'll get you on page one of Google. That's creepy, right? How many people do you know they'll come up to you and say, I got a deal. You want a deal? I got a deal. It's creepy, so don't go to creepy. Next is trust, and trust is a psychological contract. It's not just one thing, it's a complex series of questions. It's questions like, can I trust you to put together a good plan? Can I trust you to execute the plan? Can I trust you to c communicate in an open and transparent way? Can I trust you with my money? Can I trust you to hire the right team? And on and on and on. And if any one of those elements are missing, it's gonna be very difficult to establish the trust. And there's a clue. When the trust is present, decisions happen fairly quickly. If your funding partner comes back to you and says, well, I don't know, we probably need another two, three weeks to complete our due diligence. It might mean that the trust isn't quite there yet. So when trust is there, decisions happen quickly. Number three, results. What's your track record? Now you might be asking yourself, how can I raise money if I don't have a track record? How can I gain a track record if I can't raise any money because I'm broke? Well, you're thinking about it the wrong way. This is not like your grade three math test where if you collaborate with your partner, you're cheating. 
business is a team sport. So if you don't have the track record, go work with somebody who does. Bring them into your team, you join their team for a period of time, and now you can legitimately borrow some of their credibility. That 240 unit apartment complex that I showed you a few moments ago, I brought in a guy who's built 10,000 units. He's a partner with me. So that question, when I go in front of a lender in New York, and they ask, what's your track record building 240 unit apartments? I say, well, my partner Bob here has built 10,000. And that question just evaporates. So I'm a relative rookie building complexes of that size. I feel very comfortable doing it. But in front of a lender, I don't look credible yet. So it was important to bring someone into the team who had that credibility. Does that make sense? Next, you need a compelling opportunity. And this is where most people start. This is rookie mistake number one. They start with the deal. And it's almost never about the deal. But you do have to have a compelling opportunity. So, you know, if you're out there saying, well, I've got a C-class property in a B neighborhood and we're going to bump rents 200 bucks a month, most people are going to shrug their shoulders and go, yeah, so what? You and 2,000 other people. It's not compelling. You got to have something that is truly differentiated in the marketplace and is going to survive market cycles and all of those sorts of things. So I'm going to share with you a couple of examples that to me are compelling, but that's a little bit like asking, is the image on the magazine cover beautiful? That's a little bit in the eye of the beholder. For one person, it might be a medical office building at an 8% cap rate. For someone else, it might be uh, an industrial facility at you know, less than $50 a square foot. Whatever it is, your definition of beauty is going to be unique to you. One of the strategies, and this is a strategy. Now, strategies can fall down in the execution. But it executed well, this is a very effective strategy. And this is a strategy we call buy on the line, move the line. So what is that line? Now if, imagine every city in America has a line where on one side of the line you have a hot, gentrified neighborhood. And then you go two blocks too far and you're in the hood. Every city has that. Right? I know you can visualize it wherever you live. This particular line is in Philadelphia. To the south, you've got Center City, which is the downtown. To the east, you've got Temple University. To the west, you've got Brewerytown and the river. And to the north, you've got the hood. So we have purchased, over a period of time, about 85 properties in this particular area. And the idea is simply to buy on that line and rebuild. And now the line is on the other side of your property. And then you can go do it again, and again, and again. Now, you don't go too far. And you can't just do one or two because the marketplace won't notice. But you put a little bit of scale behind it, and the marketplace says, oh, I get it. The line has moved. So you can buy things just on the wrong side of the line for literally pennies on the dollar. When you go to get valuations of your finished product, there are no comps in the hood. The only comps are a block away in the hot gentrified neighborhoods. So you're going to get, if not 100%, very close to 100% of those valuations. So this is one example. This is an 11-unit building that we completed last year. Philadelphia is a city that has very little parking. It's mostly street parking. So in almost all of our projects, we try and build ground-level structured parking. We elevate the building up on 2, 3, and 4 so that we incorporate parking. If there was ever to be a downturn in the market, if there was ever to be vacancy appearing in the marketplace, we're, we're essentially guaranteed to be full because any building with parking is desirable compared with buildings that don't have parking. We focus, these are B-class products. We focus on good quality interior finishes. 
very close to the downtown. This is a view of the downtown skyline. This is close to the downtown. It's about 10 blocks from the subway, so you can be downtown in about 10 minutes. And I want to focus for a moment on why we chose this particular market. I'm not a real estate person. I'm a business person. I want to focus on solving business problems. So why would I want to build in Philadelphia? For whatever reason, there's a lot of people in Philadelphia with New York accents. I don't know why. Here's one possible reason. There's now a high-speed rail link where you can be downtown in Manhattan, 34th Street to Penn Station in an hour and 10 minutes. If you're living in Manhattan and you've got a six-figure income, you've got a roommate because that's all you can afford. But you could work for the same company, live in Philadelphia, and if you have to go into the city once or twice a week, no big deal. And you have a much better quality of life. There's a lot of people relocating out of the New York area into the Philly market for whatever reason. This is an example of one project. Now, if I show you one example, that's a fluke. If I show you two, it's a lucky streak. If I show you 12, there's a system. We don't have time to show you 12, so I'm gonna show you two. This is a nine unit building that we built. We bought the land for 130,000. Our total investment was one point, just over 1.4 million. It appraised at just under 2 million, and we were able to refinance the project at 72% loan to value, recover 100% of the investment, and have a property that's generating positive cash flow, and we have zero cash tied up in it. At this point, we have infinite return. Pretty cool. This is another one. This one's on North College Avenue, also a nine unit building. Uh, we bought the land for 110,000. Uh, we built it for just over 1.4, um, sorry, 1.6 million, and it appraised at 2.25 million. We're actually in the refi process on this one right now. We should have this closing this month. And again, at about 72% loan to value. This is our system. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about a nine unit building or a 200 unit complex. The math is pretty much the same. These numbers are not accidental. We, we designed it this way. This was architected to deliver this result. Another market that we're very active in is a community along the Gulf Coast called Lake Charles, Louisiana not a household name. This small town of 200,000 people has 118 billion, with a B, of natural gas, petrochemical, and seaport expansions over the next decade. I'm gonna let that number sink in for a moment, 118 billion. They need everything. They need housing, they need workforce housing, they need retail, they need office, they need everything. So we're in the shadow of all this investment we can't lose. We literally cannot lose. This investment is going to span economic cycles. This is an image of the G2 facility. It's a 1,200 acre liquefied natural gas plant. Two years ago, Spain, in fact, Europe, imported zero natural gas in the United States. Last year, Spain alone imported 30 billion cubic feet of natural gas. It's all coming from here, from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Germany, a couple of weeks ago, announced a $500 million import facility on the North Sea. They want a secure alternative to bringing natural gas from, the, from Russia through the Ukraine. They want an alternative. It's about geopolitical stability. And so they're bringing natural gas from here. Economic growth requires energy. China's economy is growing at 5, 6, 7% a year. That means that energy consumption is going up 5, 6, 7% a year. The widening of the Panama Canal is key to that. Now, we're having a little bit of trade discussions with China, so we're not selling them a ton of gas right now, 
but that will change once that gets resolved. This is another facility. These are massive, massive facilities. You just can't get your mind around how big they are. I mean, it doesn't even fit in an aerial photograph. We're about to break ground on the Driftwood facility. This is another liquefied natural gas plant in Q1. Uh, they need place to park 6,000 pickup trucks. We're trying to figure out if we can help solve that problem. The, the size of these problems, they boggle the mind, but they're real business problems that need to be solved. So we have a number of projects. These are ground up developments. Um, this is our uh, apartment complex. We're doing medical office complex, 128-bed senior assisted living facility. Again, just solving business problems. This is a fairly easy, fairly compelling story to tell. I don't have to do anything fancy. I just have to tell the story. This is what's going on. And people say, yeah, I get it. Makes sense. So that's compelling opportunity. The last item is alignment. Now, when you're dealing with unsophisticated investors and you ask them what your goals are, they'll say, well, I want to make money. I don't want to lose money. And that's about it. But when you're dealing with sophisticated investors, in fact, the more wealthy they are, the more precise they will be on what their criteria are. And it's not enough to be close. You need to match their criteria exactly. And this is finding that perfect fit between the goals for the money and the goals for the project. So what is the size of the investment? There's some family offices we're talking to right now where their minimum investment's five million. If you're trying to raise 200,000 from them, it's not worth the paperwork. It's a waste of their time. So you gotta match the size of the investment. What's the term of the investment? Meaning how long is the money gonna be tied up for? What's the liquidity? What's the control structure? What's the tax consequence? What's the rate of return? And so on. You have to match on every single one of these. And if you do, you get all five of these things done right, raising money is remarkably, remarkably easy. So how do you get good at this? Number one, you get in the game, you practice, you get in the right environment. Join a mastermind with other syndicators that are actively doing this on a daily basis. Get a coach or a mentor, someone who is actively in the business. These are all different things that you can do. Attend syndication conferences. It's about establishing the right environment. I would like to conclude with offering you some, some free stuff. So if you go to victorjm.com, you can download a magnetism scorecard where you can assess for any particular investor, any particular project, how you're doing against these five criteria. It'll become crystal clear where things are aligned for you and where you've got a gap. Again, if you do these five things, raising money will be remarkably easy. So with that, I will open it to questions. So, Well, that was my talk a couple of weeks ago at the Raising Capital Summit in Denver, Colorado. If you don't regularly attend syndication conferences or money-raising conferences, I urge you to do so. It's part of being in the right environment. We've talked many times, just like the conference, about being in the right environment. And that is absolutely the right environment. There are many such conferences around the country that are being held on a regular basis, whether it's the family office conferences, the real estate guys conferences, or the raising money summit. There are many, many good events like this. I urge you to not just sit behind your computer or listen to these podcasts on your phone, get out in the real world and meet people face to face. That's where good business gets done. Have an awesome rest of your weekend. Make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.